Our scripture today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, everybody. We're bringing out of town. So uh, this scripture passage talks a lot about sin. And it talks a lot about sin, death, baptisms and Christ's resurrection, it can be really overwhelming when you first read it, or at least it was really overwhelming for me when I first read it, and I thought they want me to preach about what. Um, so let's just rewind a little bit to give ourselves some context. In the second part of chapter 5 of Romans, Paul is talking about sin and grace. He writes that where sin abounds, grace abounds double-fold. So then at the beginning of chapter 6, he poses this question. Should we keep on sinning so that we get more grace? No. If this is a true question, no, right? And Paul tells us no. Um, let's just remember what sin is. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Sin is missing the mark. It is as if you are shooting a bow and arrow at a bullseye, and you miss the target, or just the bullseye in general. Maybe you're still on the target. But let's also remember, too, that sin is something that you can be responsible for, but it's also something that you can be trapped by. I just want you to keep that in mind while I keep going. The next big topics that Paul talks about are death and baptism. Paul says we are those who have died to and he explains that we have died to sin through our baptism. When we're baptized, we become part of the body of Christ. If we're part of this group of Christian people, that means we're characterized by cross and resurrection, by dying and rising. This means that we no longer live in the world of sin. Being dead to sin means that sin is no longer ruling you. You are being ruled by God now. And this just doesn't happen for a lot of 
So if you haven't been baptized, don't worry. This also happens with justification. Remember that justification is that getting aligned with God. Another way to picture this is as if grace, God's grace is a house. And uh, I'm pretty sure Brittany talks about this in starting point, um, at least she did in the past. I've never actually been in a starting point group, so I don't know. <laughs> um, so God's grace is there for you before you know it. That's the front porch of the house. That's the yard. That's the road you go down to get to the house. Justification is when you walk through the front door of the house. It's when you know that you are forgiven and loved by God. Justification restores our capacity for love of neighbor and God. And we'll revisit the house in a little bit. Paul kind of makes it sound like a switch, right? That you can flip on and off, like, you're baptized, you don't sin anymore. Um, we can't go on sinning because we're with Christ now. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a sinner. And I try not to sin, but it happens. It's going to happen again as much as I try. And one sin that I am willing to confess in front of all of you is that I can be a really mean driver. And I mean mean. <laughs> like, I, uh, I, I, and I think this is probably because I worked in Chopper for three years and had to drive 25 miles one way. And if any of you know about that construction that's going on in Kennedy, uh, it's been going on for about six months. Imagine sitting in that every single day. And if you have a commute like that, I, I feel you. Um, so when I drive, I can speed, I cut people off, if someone cuts me off, I would tailgate them. You know, and I don't want to tell you about the language I mean, so it's really embarrassing. Um, like it's bad, it's nasty. It brings up this ugly side of me that I don't want anybody to see. But over the past three months or so, I've really been trying to focus on driving in a different way. I've been trying to think about how God wants me to act. And the greatest thing about this is that it's been so freeing. I am just a lot nicer when I drive now. I let people in. If someone's trying to like turn left off the side street, I let them go, I wave a lot more, like, oh, thanks for letting me in, or oh, go ahead, you can come on in. And it, I could be happier because I'm not driving 50 miles around a trip every day, but I think it's more because I'm acting in a different way. I'm acting the way God would want me to act. I'm acting as if every person driving on that road is someone loved by God because they are. That doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes, though. Like, the other day, I was at a stop sign, and I'm turning left. There's a car in front that's turning right. They go, and then it's my turn to go. The car behind them just went through the stop sign and took my right away. And I was so <laughs> angry. And I had some really choice words for the driver in that car at that moment. I slipped up. I failed in that moment. I missed the mark. I sinned. 
Paul doesn't think that it's a switch that you can flip on and off. Even he struggled. Later in Romans 7, Paul says, the desire to do good is inside of me, but I can't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. But if you've been reading Romans, you know that, right? Um, failing means that you're making progress. Failing means you're trying to reconcile your old way of doing things with the new one. It means you're working to internalize that new way of thinking and existing. Sin is still out there. The Matthew Henry commentary says, though sin may reign, remain as an outlaw, though it may oppress as a tyrant, yet let it not reign as king. We have a new king. Christ is our king, not sin. We are members of the body of Christ, and we have to live accordingly. I think what Paul is saying is that we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. You have to start living your, Christ, your life for Christ now so that you get to what you want it to be. And whether you know it or not, I say it's safe to say that you've already started walking the walk. I mean, how many people have come here and been changed by Urban Village Church? Every Sunday, people come up here and talk about how God is working in their lives right now with their testimony. An example of someone that came to mind while I was writing this sermon, trying to think of who do I know that's going to really change, is Quinn. She moved to Ohio about a month ago, so she's not here today. I first met her three years ago in a small group. And at that point, she would have told you that she didn't think God was there, or at least not there for her. When she was in starting point, Brittany asked that question, where are you in the house of God's grace? And Quinn's response was that she was in a tent, in the front yard, facing away from the house, with the rain beating down, and she didn't even know a house was there. But she kept coming to church, to small groups, and over time, over the course of three years, things changed for her, radically changed. She began to listen to God's call in her life, which led to her baptism at Easter. It ultimately led to her moving to Ohio, and now she's working at a church that's struggling, and it's not easy. It's been really hard for her. But the other day, when she was struggling, she turns to scripture. She reached out to her small group members. She called me, she emailed my mom. I'm sure she talked to Aaron. Um, she turned to God. She found the house. And she didn't walk through, just walk through that front door. She's inside it, exploring it now. That's walking a lot. It's salvation. So who remembers the definition of salvation that we've been talking about on this road trip? Mm -hmm. Salvation is the lifelong process of Christ working in you to bring about freedom, authenticity, and wholeness. 
Salvation isn't a static thing. It's a process. And more than that, it's a lifelong process. You're going to sin again. I'm going to sin again. We are all going to sin again. Let's just get that straight. But that doesn't mean that we aren't going to try it better. That lifelong part is where sanctification comes in. Sanctifying grace is God's presence transforming us into who God intends us to be. Sanctification is exploring the house. A couple weeks ago, we sang Amazing Grace while we were reflecting on justification. John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace. And in the early part of his life, he was an outspoken atheist, libertine, and slave trader. He was born in 1725, and by the time he was 20, in 1745, he was a slave trader. And he was eventually left in West Africa by one of his, by his crew for some reason or another, sometime between 1743 and 1748. And he was rescued in 1740. And that was when he had his conversion moment. He was en route back to England on a ship in a storm. And he called out to God. But he didn't stop working in the slave trade until 1754 when he had a stroke. He only stopped because he couldn't physically be on a ship anymore. It wasn't until 1788, 34 years after he had retired from trade that he spoke out against it. He published a pamphlet where he apologized and wrote, this is a quote, a confession which comes too late. It will always be the subject of humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders. Newton became an active abolitionist after that. Newton's life is a testament to sanctification and how it works in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a switch. And more than that, Newton's life shows us that sanctification is more than just about making our own lives better. Sanctification is what God does in us and is part of God's work of restoring the whole of creation back into right relationship with God. Now remember, we can be responsible for sin, like by being driving, or we can be trapped by sin, like racism. And when we think about sin, like racism, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. <coughs> I want you to think of sanctification as if you are on a boat. And your course is headed one way. And then you have your moment of justification, knowing that you're loved and forgiven by God. And this causes you to change your coordinates by just one degree. And it may not seem like a lot at first, then you end up in a totally different place because of that change. That change is sanctification. You can't go out and eradicate racism in one fell swoop. 
but we can change society by one degree. We can meet with our representatives, even if we think they aren't going to listen to us. We can go to rallies and protest downtown. We can volunteer in neighborhoods and be on the ground with our brothers and sisters. That's one degree. And if that's too much for you, you can come to a church without walls conversation and learn more about racism and how we are trying to eradicate it in our church. And if that's too much for you, when you hear someone say something that helps build up that sin of racism, that entrapment, you can speak up from a place of love, knowing that you are a representative that's one degree. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to get rid of racism. But if you say one thing, but it's going to tear down one brick. You're going to fail at times. You're going to miss the mark. But you are no longer ruled by sin. You live for God. You're becoming who God wants you to be. And by doing that, you're going to make the world what God envisions it to be. That right there is why you have to keep pushing forward. Let me pray with you. You move in our lives, whether we are aware of it or not. We are slowly changing and becoming who you envision and want us to be. May we go out into the world and build your kingdom with our hands, knowing that we have been saved by you and for you. Amen. Amen.